even trying. Kids can't teach us some of the greatest lessons. And, and when you're a kid is when you learn some of the greatest lessons in life. And so I want to tell you this morning about two kids, one that taught me a great lesson recently and then one that learned a great lesson a long time ago. Now, the two kids are my grandson and me when I was a kid. Now, I want to put a photo up on the, on the screen because I, I've, I've kind of been looking for a, a great opportunity to show you my grandchildren. Is that picture up there? Okay, there it is. That's my grandchildren. That is Harper on the left, and that is Presley uh, on the right. Presley is chewing tobacco. You probably can look at the, on her mouth. And, but um, that's a picture of my two grandchildren. Harper's five. Presley is one. And then uh, this is a picture of Harper. Uh, just after we finished, he helped me decorate. I have a Georgia Christmas tree in my home. And so this is a picture of Harper just after he finished helping me decorate my Georgia Christmas tree. Well, Harper taught me a great lesson not long ago. And I'll tell you kind of what happened. When my kids were young, I, often, I traveled a great bit, as you can imagine. And whenever I, I would go off on a trip, I would always bring my kids back a gift. And I do the same thing now for my grandchildren, especially when I go to a foreign country. I do that. I let it. We. I recently joined a team from Crosspoint uh, on a mission trip to India this fall. And whenever I go to a foreign country, I always try to find something that will be a keepsake. I don't want to buy just something that'll tear up or break. I try to bring them something that will be something that they'll keep the rest of their life, and maybe they'll even pass down to their children. Well, while I was in India, I found this beautiful wooden carving of an Indian elephant. Now, if you know anything about elephants, you know that Indian elephants are somewhat different from African elephants. So I thought it was a pretty cool gift. It was hand-carved. I thought it was, you know, kind of cool. So I got home, and I get on the phone. I called Harper. I said, Harper, I got you a gift, and I'm going to come bring it to you this afternoon. And, boy, he was pumped, and I was pumped. So I go over to his house, and, and, and I give him this box, and it's wrapped up, and he opens it up, and he pulls this elephant out, and, and he looks at it. And he kind of turned it over for a minute. And he looked at me, and then this is what he said. He said, Pop, he said, uh, thank you for this elephant. He said, but maybe the next time you go to some place, maybe you could stay just a little bit longer and give me something I really like. <laughs> now, Harper reinforced a lesson that we all need to remember, okay? And you know what it is. When somebody gives you something, it isn't the gift, it's the Right? It's the thought that counts. Now, now he, he, one day he will learn that. He doesn't know that right now. But it's the thought that counts. And, and, and we ought to be grateful that people care enough to give us anything. Right? I mean, people don't have to give you anything. I didn't have to give him the elephant. One day he'll, you know, he'll learn that lesson. Well, along the same lines, I want to share with you a lesson that I learned as a child. And it all revolves around this gift. Inside of this box is... Um, some gum, and a Milky Way. Now, those gifts, believe it or not, are gifts that remind me of a Christmas I will never forget. It's one of my most memorable Christmases. Let me tell you what happened. When I was a child, um, I had saved enough money uh, to do something I'd never done before at Christmas. I had never gotten my, get my parents a gift. You know, the child, a child always reaches that age when you finally don't know if you, you want to get them something. So uh, I, I wanted to buy my parents a gift, and uh, I, I think I got like a dime a week for an allowance. That's all I would get. Of course, that was big money back when I was a kid. 
And, and so I had saved up a dollar each for mom and dad to go buy them a Christmas gift. So mom takes me to the square downtown in Gainesville. I go to this department store, and I said to her, I said, well, Mom, I want you to go to one side of the store. I'm going to go to the other side of the store, and I'm going to shop. Now, there was only one problem with the presents that I was about to buy. I wasn't really thinking about what they would like to have. I was thinking about what I would like to have. And so for a dollar, I got them each. You may remember this. There was this gum you could buy. It was individually wrapped in little bitty packages about this big. I bought them a string of gum that would reach from here to the sound booth back there, right? And I bought them a Milky Way. It was exactly a dollar. Now, my plan was brilliant because I knew what they were going to do, right? They'd open the gift. They would thank me. Then they would give me the gum and give me the Milky Way. So I had it all kind of worked out. So I get home and I put the gift in a little box just like this and I wrapped it up, tie a bow around it, put it under the tree. Well, Christmas morning, you know, we get up and, 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 and you know, I opened all my gifts first and then mom and dad are going to open their gifts. First time I'd ever given them a gift. Well, mom comes through like a champion, right? She opens the box. Son, that was so sweet of you. That was so thoughtful. Thank you very much. And she said, you know what? I don't really chew gum, and I don't really like Milky Ways, so I'll, I'll give them to you. And I was so excited because, man, my plan's just working. I mean, it's like clockwork, man, just exactly what I thought. Well, those of you who knew my dad, dad was different than my mother, okay? Dad was a saved Archie Bunker. That was my dad. Kind of an old South man, he lived through two world wars. He lived through the Great Depression. He lived back in the day when he told me the only thing he got for Christmas one year was an orange. That's all he got was one orange for Christmas. Well, he was a loving dad, one of my best friends, but my dad had a temper, okay, to put it mildly. And when my dad thought somebody was trying to make a fool out of him, he didn't like it. And, and my dad would always say what came out of his mouth. He was just like, you never had to wonder what my dad thought. Well, when my dad opened the gift, like after my mom, my mom opened it first. When dad opened his gift, he, he said, well, thanks, thank, thank you very much. And he just, he didn't say a word. He just handed me the gum. But to my shock, he took the Milky Way and put it in his shirt pocket. And I was absolutely stunned because I said, man, you're, you're blowing my plan up here, dad. I mean, you can't, you know, you, you can't do that. So you got to give me a C for courage for what I'm about to tell you that I did. I looked up at my dad, and I mean, I wasn't even trembling. I wasn't nervous a bit. I looked at my dad, and I said, Dad, can I have your Milky Way? <laughs> I would give $5,000 if I had it. I would if I had a video of what took place. When I looked at my dad, I said, Dad, can I have your Milky Way? My dad looked at me with fires coming out of his eyes, and this is exactly what he said. You'll not do it. <laughs> he reached in there. Peeled that sucker like a banana. I mean, the whole wrapping came off, and he shoved that whole Milky Way in his mouth. <laughs> now, if you've ever seen a washing machine with clothes going around it, th to this day, that Milky Way, Dad's trying to get a hold of that, and it's rolling around in his mouth, and he's trying to grab it, and he's looking at me the whole time with his eyes this big, and he's trying to grab that Milky Way. He finally swallowed that Milky Way in one swoop. And it was burned into my memory. To this day, I can still see that happening. Now, you're saying, that is a great story. Tell me what in the world that's got to do with the message today. Well, if you're a guest of ours, you haven't been here for a while, we've been in a series called Regifted. And we've all received a gift that we didn't want or we didn't like, and we just regifted it, repackaged it, and we gave it to someone else. 
Well, all I was trying to do back then when I was a kid, I was just trying to get ahead of the game, okay? Because what I was trying to do, I was trying to help my parents out. I was trying to save them the trouble of re-gifting that gift. I was actually re-gifting my own gift back to me. That's all I was trying to do. Now, what we've learned from the Christmas story of the last couple of weeks is re-gifting is not always a bad thing. Re-gifting can be a God thing. We've learned that God, back at the very first Christmas, gave us certain gifts through Christmas that not only we can re-gift to others, we ought to re-gift to others. So if you've missed the last couple of weeks or you've already forgotten what I said, let me just kind of go back and kind of review what we talked about. What was the first gift we talked about we said we could re-gift? Anybody remember? Boy, your memory. Oh, man, that's bad. It, Joy, okay, she got it right. That joy, she got it right. It was the gift of joy. Luke chapter two, verse 10. By the way, we're in the gospel of Luke right now. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And what I said to you a couple of weeks ago was whatever else Christmas ought to be, it ought to be a time of joy. It ought to be the joy of knowing that God actually came to earth. He became a human being just like us. He was born of a virgin. He lived among us. He walked among us. He died for us. He became like us. He lived for us and died for us that we might live for him with him forever. And so that ought to bring us joy. And then last week we talked about the second gift. What was the second gift? It was peace, because this joy ought to lead to peace. Luke 2, verse 13, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is well pleased. And so we said last week, peace is a gift that God gave to us at Christmas. We ought to have the peace of God. We ought to have peace with God. We ought to have peace from God. And so I said last week, I gave you some practical ways you could share that peace and that joy with other people. Well, there's one more gift that we receive at Christmas that we ought to re-gift and give to others. As a matter of fact, I saved this gift for last because it is the greatest gift of all. In this gift, you're going to find the reason God gave Jesus. You're going to find the reason that Jesus came to earth. So what I want to do this morning, if you brought a copy of God's Word, I want you to turn from Luke, which is the third gospel, to John, which is the fourth gospel. And I want you to turn to the third chapter of John, because what I want to do this morning is I want to read the Christmas story through a different set of eyes. We're going to go today to a gospel that, believe it or not, doesn't even have the Christmas story. You don't read about the wise men and the shepherd and the angels in the gospel of John. And yet, even though it's not there, John tells us why there even is a Christmas story to begin with. Now, if you don't know much about the Bible, let me just kind of back up and tell you who John was. John was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He spent three years of his life with Jesus. He watched him. He heard him. He slept beside him. He saw him live. He saw him eat. He saw him walk. He saw him talk. He saw him die. He saw him buried. And then he saw him raised from the dead. And his gospel is his written testimony of what he saw and what he heard in that three-year period of time. And John has the distinction of writing down what all of us, I think, would believe is probably the most famous verse in the Bible. And in that verse, he tells us the why of Christmas, and he tells us the one key word that even makes Christmas possible, and that is the word love. Now, I'm going to put this verse up on the screen, 
99.99% of us already know it, but here's what that verse reads, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, everything that you read in that verse of scripture flows from three words. God so loved. That's why we have Christmas. That's why Jesus came. That's why those little children that were so tragically murdered uh, Friday, that's why we know they're in heaven. God so loved. And the love that God has given us at Christmas is the love we're to give to others. Now, I want you to write this down. I just want you to take out the door. Because what I want to tell you is what I'm learning, and I've learned afresh and anew this week, what love really is. Because according to God's word, if this verse is true, let me tell you what love is. You ready? Write this down. Love is giving to the living. That's what it is. Love is giving to the living. And what I want to do this morning is learn today from the greatest lover of all how he loves us and how we are to pass that love on to others. There are three things you can jot down we're going to learn this morning. Number one, God has declared his love for me. God has declared it. He has said he loves us. Now, at Christmas, all of us make a Christmas list. Yesterday, Teresa and I, we sat down yesterday morning because God had to get out our Christmas list and say, okay, because we're kind of, we're gotten behind a little bit. Who do we need to buy things for? Who do we need to buy, uh, uh, you know, Christmas gifts for? Now, before you can determine what you're going to give, you've got to determine who you're going to give to. So you've got to make out a Christmas list. Well, I've got news for you. This is great news. You ready for this? You are on God's Christmas list. You, you Me? Yeah, you. No, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. Listen to those words again. For God so loved thee. All right, let's just see if you're awake this morning. How many of you are in the world? Okay, then you made it. You're on the list. God so loved the world. Now, you know what that means? That that means that God loves me and God loves you. Let me tell you what else it means. If God loves the world... That means that God even loves people that you and I have a hard time loving. You know anybody that you have a hard time loving? You say, yeah, I'm married to them. Okay, I get that, right? Well, listen, God even loves those that we have a hard time loving. And God has declared he loves everyone. Listen to me. There is nobody in this world, nobody, that God doesn't love. Nobody. If you're in the world, you're on God's love love list. God has never created a person that he didn't love. As a matter of fact, that's why he created every person that's ever lived, so that he could love them. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter how many times you've turned your back on God, walked away from God, disobeyed God, denied God, forsaken God, God loves you. You say, are you sure? Can I tell you this? God can't help himself. He can't help it. John wrote in another book in the New Testament, a book called 1 John, these words, God is love. He doesn't just love, he is love. And the only reason you're alive right now is because God loves you. The only reason your heart is beating and your lungs are breathing is because God loves you. And listen to this, this is what blows me away. God loves you unconditionally. You know, Santa Claus only comes to those who've been good, right? Been naughty and not nice, Santa Claus doesn't come. 
You know what? God loves you. Listen to this. He doesn't love you because you're good. He loves you in spite of the fact you're not. He doesn't love you because you deserve it. He loves you in spite of the fact you don't deserve it. God doesn't love you because you love him back. As you're going to see, he doesn't even love you because he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus because he loves you. And God tells us in so many ways that he loves us every day. We don't even realize it. When you feel the sun's warmth on your face, that's just God's way of telling you he loves you. When you feel a cool mist of rain falling on you, it is God's way of saying he loves you. When you enjoy the beauty of a full moon on a clear night, it is God's way of saying he loves you. Every day in so many ways, big and small, you hear God's whisper in your ear, I love you. But I know what you're sitting there saying, and I would say the same thing. Talk's cheap. It is cheap. I mean, it's one thing to say that you love somebody. Anybody can say that. It's another thing to show that you love someone. someone. So here's what John says. He says, God has shown us in, an, in, 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 in no unmistakable term that he loves us because he's not only declared his love to us, God has demonstrated his love for us. Look what he says in John, again, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he, what's that word? He gave. Because what is love? Love is what? Giving to the living. Let's say that together. Love is giving to the living. So God so loved, he gave. God backed up his words with works. Love gives, and love is giving to the living. See, if somebody really loves you, I can tell you how you can know it. It's real simple. You won't just hear it from their lips. You will see it in their actions. By the way, once again, John expands on what he says here in that other book he wrote, 1 John, when he said this, 1 John 4. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. You want to know what real love is? Listen to this. This is real love. It's not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Here's what John says. John says, I know God loves you, not just because he declares he loves you. He has demonstrated he loves you. There was a guy one time who was always telling his girlfriend, baby, I love you. I love you so much I'd die for you. I mean, almost every day he'd say, baby, don't you ever doubt my love for you. I want to tell you I love you so much I'd die for you. He said that every single day, weeks and months. He'd say, baby, I love you so much I'd die for you. One day she looked at him and said, she, she said, you know what? You're always saying that, but you never do it. <laughs> now, God did it. He sent Jesus and Jesus died. And God doesn't just say that he loves you. He has shown that he loves you by giving you the greatest gift ever given, which was the gift of his son. And he gave us Jesus not only because he loves us, but because he is love. And so God has demonstrated, God has proven once for all, I am love and I love you because I gave my son. Now you think about what that means. If what I just told you is true, listen, this, this is a revolutionary thought. God's love for you has nothing to do with you. You love some people because of what they can do for you. You love some people because they're attracted to you. You love some people because they appeal to you. 
Well, I got news for you. God doesn't love you because of what you can do for him because there's nothing you can do for him. God doesn't love you because you're attractive because in our sinfulness, we're not attractive. God doesn't love you because you appeal to him because in our sinfulness, we're not appealing to him. God doesn't love you because of you. God loves you because of him. And he loves you because he is love and he's proven it by giving his son. Now, if what I just told you is true, think about this. That means you can't influence God's love. You can't do something so good it will make God love you more than he loves you right now. You can't, <coughs> you can't do something so bad it would cause God to love you any less than he loves you right now. See, here's what I love about God's love. God's love never wears out. God's love never ends. God love, God's love never fails. God loves you on your good days. God loves you on your bad days. God doesn't love you today more than he did yesterday, and he doesn't love you today less than he'll love you tomorrow. And see, Christmas tells us God's love is final. You can't go anywhere on this earth where God does not love you. You can't do anything to God that would make God quit loving you. You can't reach the limit of his love because his love is unlimited. You can't stop his love because his love is unconditional. And that's not, not just talk. I see God's love in a cradle. I see God's love in a cross. And the motive behind Christmas is love. Listen, we'll say this again. God did not send Jesus because of what we could give to him. He sent Jesus because of what he could give to us. Because that's what love is. Love is giving to the living. But there's one other thing that God has done. Look at this. God has delivered his love for me. He has delivered his love for me. Now, God did not just give his son to the world. He did more than that. He did more than just lay his son at the world's doorstep. When God sent Jesus, he said, look, I'm not just putting him in a cradle. I want you to understand this. You know why I'm sending my son? I don't want him just in a cradle. I want him in your heart. I want him in your life. I want him in your very soul. I want him to be everything to you. Listen to the last part of that verse. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You need to tell your kids something this Christmas. Jesus didn't just come so we'd have a Christmas story to tell. Jesus didn't just come so that we would have Christmas carols to sing. Jesus did not come just so we'd have gifts that we could exchange. Jesus came that we might have eternal life. And notice, it doesn't say may have or might have or will have. It says have. You know, in a few days, we're, we're going to gather our families together. And we are going to exchange gifts. Now, I don't know how it is at your house. I'll tell you how it's going to be at my house. We're not going to wake up, go to the Christmas tree, sit down, look at each other and say, hey, by the way, your gift will get here in 10 years. Or, oh, I, meant to, I neglected to tell you that your gift will get here uh, in the year 2028. No, we all know that what's going to happen on Christmas, we get our gift immediately. We get our gift on Christmas Day. See, some people think you've got to wait until you die to know whether or not you're going to be with God. You've got to wait until you die to find out whether or not you get eternal life. That's not what John says. John says you receive when you believe. You get it instantaneously. 
Somebody says, so pastor, do you believe you're going to have eternal life? Oh, no, it's better than that. I have eternal life. The love that God has declared to me and demonstrated for me, he delivered to me the moment that I believe. If I can go back to that other book that John wrote one, one more time, 1 John 5, listen to what he said. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Eternal life does not begin the moment you die. It begins the moment you believe. You have it now. Now, for all of us in this room who have believed and received, do you understand, this is the important part of this message, do you understand that God has not given you his love to keep to yourself? God has given you his love so that you would re-gift it, you would repackage it, and you would pass it on to someone else. See, our job is to take the love that God has given us and pass it on to others who are willing to receive and willing to believe. Now, we were, such, we were thinking about what is the best way that, 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 that we could you know, instruct you and we could encourage you to kind of share this love. Everybody take out this card. Everybody take that card out. I don't know of a more loving thing that you can do than to give this card to somebody, particularly somebody that doesn't know the Lord, and invite them to our Christmas Eve service. I really don't. Next Sunday at 11 o'clock and next um, uh, Monday at uh, 5 o'clock, we're going to have our two Christmas Eve services. Either one. What, what, what more loving thing could you do than to invite someone to come to our Christmas Eve service and hear a message that has the power to radically change their life, that has the power for them to find forgiveness of their sins, that has the power for them to walk out this door with the greatest gift they'll ever receive, the gift of eternal life. So I'm going to ask you, this is your one act of love. This is all I'm going to ask you to do this week. At least one, I hope you'll take more, but at least take a card to somebody and say, hey, I'd like to invite you to be my guest and come to our Christmas Eve service. So let me tell you about a couple. A couple was very well off. The husband was a very successful businessman. And even though they had quite a bit of money, they were very, very frugal, and they, they kind of watched their money and watched their pennies. This man really was not materialistic, but he told his wife when they first got married, he said, there's one thing I want to buy. There's just only one thing I want. I've always wanted a Porsche 911 convertible. And he said, if, if God is good enough and if I make enough money, I'm going to start putting money back. One of these days, I'm going to buy this convertible. It took the man about 30 years to save this money because he wanted to pay cash for it. So he buys this, brand, this Porsche 911 convertible. It was a classic. It wasn't a brand new car. It was a, it was a kind of a classic. And, 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 and he bought it. And he treated it like a baby. He kept it washed. He kept it polished, always looking brand new. And he'd never let anybody drive it but himself. Wouldn't let his wife drive it. Nobody could drive it but himself. Well, one day his wife very nervously went to her husband and she said, could I just take the car out for a spin just one time? And he didn't really want to do it. You could tell he just didn't want to do it. But he, was, he, he thought about it. He said, well, honey, I will, but please, please do don't let anything happen to this car. You know how much that this car means to me. Please don't let it happen, anything happen. She said, I promise you, I'll, I'll be safe. So she backed out of the driveway. She let the top down, and man, soon she's cruising along. The wind's in her hair. She's enjoying this beautiful day. 
And she's cruising down this, this highway, and, and all of a sudden, a little boy on a bicycle veers into her path. So she swerves to miss this little boy, and she runs right into the side of this pickup truck. Airbag explodes, front of the car is crumpled up, glass flies everywhere. Man's come, man came running over to her, and he said, lady, lady, are you okay? And she said, I think so, and he helps her out, and he puts her down to the curb. And she said, I, I'm fine. I just got to kind of gather my thoughts together. The only thing she could think about was, I am a dead woman. I may as well just plan my funeral. When Jim finds out what I've done to his car, he is going to kill me. So she's waiting for the police to arrive, and all she could think about, all things that was in her mind, was how excited her husband was when he first bought this car and how pumped he was when he first bought this car. And, 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 and he, this is all he'd ever wanted, all he ever asked for, all of their married life, this is all that he wanted. It was his treasure, and it was his baby. And every Saturday, he would get up, he'd work on it, he'd fix it, he'd wash it, he'd wax it, he'd polish it. He knew every bolt on that car. He knew every spot of chrome. And even though he was a good husband and a sweet husband and a loving husband, she said, I just can't face the hurt and the heartache and the anguish I'll see on his face when he finds out what's happened to his car. Well, about that time, the policeman arrived. And he said, ma'am, may I see your driver's license and your insurance papers? So she walked over to the car, she got her purse, she grabbed the insurance packet from the glove compartment, she gave the officer her license, and then she opens up this plastic packet to pull out the insurance papers. And to her surprise, there on top of the papers was a white envelope with her name on it. And she opened it up, and this is what she read. Dear Beth, if you're reading this, then you have probably been in an accident and wrecked this car. Don't worry. My only concern is that you are all right because just remember, it's you that I love. Christmas is God's declaration, God's demonstration, and God's deliverance of this reminder. Remember, regardless of how you may have wrecked your life, it is you that I love. And I am telling you, the love that we have received because we have believed, we need to repackage it and give it to other people because love is giving to the living. Let's pray together. If you're here this morning and you've never received the wonderful love of God, I just want to give you the opportunity to do that. Right now, sitting in that chair, I'm going to ask you, if you would just simply, it's just real simple, all I'm asking you to do is to receive the love of God, that's all. And if you believe, you'll receive. So right now, sitting in that chair, would you just pray this prayer with me if you like to receive God's love today just say dear Lord I understand John 3:16 now better than ever you love me so much you gave your son Jesus Christ to die for my sins you raised him from the dead 